remain seated tonight, look down to verse 1. <clears throat> We're going to look a bit in the life of Joshua tonight and how he found and fulfilled his now, God's will for his life, the need, the opportunity, and the work that God had called him to. Verse 1 of chapter 1, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, my, Moses, my servant, is dead. Watch this. Now, therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight again for your word and the opportunity here for two times in one day to open up your word and gather around it together. I pray that you'd give us what we need from it. Uh, Father, we have many of our people tonight who have needs, uh, needs of their health, the needs of their heart. I pray that your grace, Father, be applied to their needs, Lord, in a way that uh, would be sustaining and sufficient for them. And, Father, they'd recognize, Lord, that it's you upholding them by your hand. I pray you give healing to those, Father, that are in the hospital. Uh, give healing to those that are going through this time of, uh, of the virus and dealing, Lord, with uh, uh, the struggles that come along with that, being away from church, being one of them. Bless them both physically and spiritually while they're away. I pray, Father, tonight for those that are grieving, Lord, some in our church tonight, uh, their hearts are heavy because of a loss of a loved one. Thank you for the hope of heaven. Thank you, Father, for the testimonies of those who've put their faith and trust in you that uh, not only will we get to see uh, you again, Lord, but we'll get to see them again. And I pray that you give grace to those families tonight. Bless our time in your word. Help us, Lord, receive something practical, uh, Lord, how we can fulfill your will now at Central Baptist Church, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're going to be looking at Joshua. I told you we're not going to have necessarily a title to each message. Uh, we're having the title to the series, Finding the How to Our Now. And we're going to look at a different Bible character each time in this series as we see how they found God's will for their life, how they found the need, the opportunity, and the work that God had set aside for them. And we're going to learn how they found their now and fulfilled it, how we can find and fulfill our now as well. Now, the goal of it, I told you on Wednesday, if you're tuning into that, is that we take the motivation that we have I hope we're motivated uh, to ask what's our now and to find our now, and we're motivated to do that. But we must move beyond motivation if we're going to fulfill that, okay? I hope you're excited. It's only week two. If you've already lost your excitement, I don't know, you got some bad friends in your life or some, some bad mojo or something, okay? You should at least still have it here in week number two, and I hope you're motivated. But remember what we said Wednesday, motivation without movement is merely an emotion, okay? Motivation without movement is merely an emotion. I'm an emotional guy. I like getting stirred up. Uh, but sooner or later, you have to add some fuel to the spark, right? You mechanically minded people, a spark is great. And I hope a new theme and a new year and a new start, a desire to grow in the Lord and find his will, I hope that's the spark. But sooner or later, you have to add some fuel to that in order for this thing to get going down the road. It reminds me of the story I heard back in 1930 in a small town in Oklahoma. Uh, there was a football team who got beat by everybody. Uh, and I think all of us have probably either been in a town or a part of a town who had a losing team every at least once in your life, all right? I come from a small town, Jeff Davis County, Mississippi, and for a while there, we weren't very good at a whole lot, and then I went to seminary, and we weren't good for a little while there as well, and you just want your team to win, right? You just want to win. Uh, volleyball girls, man, two years ago, y'all remember that? We just wanted to win. We just wanted to win one. I, I mean, just one. I remember telling Miley, Miley, just keep it off the floor, babe. 
all right? Uh, just keep it off the floor. That's what we were just hoping for. We just wanted to win. Now the girls are doing a spectacular job. Well, this team in Oklahoma hadn't won a game in forever. And one of the rich oil barons in the town just got tired of his team in his town being a losing team. And so he walks into the locker room after a, de uh, a defeat that was unlike any other they ever had before. And he says, all right, here's what we're going to do. If you guys can win the next game, I will buy a Ford pickup truck for each and every one of you. Man, all of a sudden, the guys were jumping, and they were shouting, and all of a sudden, they came in with these big old banners and posters of the newest model of Ford pickup trucks that was there. Some of you wouldn't like it if it was a Ford, but it was free, so, you know, that's a net positive. And they were putting all of the pictures of the trucks in there, and all week long, out there, when they're in the huddle, they're talking about the Ford truck, you know, and they named plays after it, Ford truck right and Ford truck left, and man, they were just pumped up. They tore through the paper. They were all hyped. They went out that night, and they got shellacked 38 to nothing man they were hyped and they were pumped but that motivation never translated into any points okay now I hope you're motivated a pastor always enjoys it and it's a blessing to him to know that our people are excited I'm glad you're excited I hope you're excited I see some of your posts from time to time on Facebook and you're using the words now is when that encourages my heart but sooner or later our motivation has to turn to movement. We've got to figure out how we can take the theme God's given us and make it practical for our life. On Wednesday, we looked at Moses in Exodus 3. I'll read it for you right quick to remind you since we're still introducing this series. Exodus 3.10, when Moses was called, the Bible says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So here's Moses. He's finding God's will for his life. What was the need? It says, come now. I want you to come first. And then what did he say he was going to do? I will send. There was the opportunity. God says, you find the need to come, and then I'm going to give you the opportunity to be sent. And then finally, the work of his now was bringing forth the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now tonight, we're looking at Joshua. And we're going to follow Joshua for the next few minutes and see how he found his need opportunity and work and how he fulfilled the will of God for his life. Look at back at verse 1. Let's recap it. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, now verse 2 is going to be the key text tonight, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. Now, the first thing we're going to look at tonight is obviously the need. What was Joshua's need? Well, the Bible says in verse number one that Moses had died. We know that Moses was the leader. He was the deliverer, the one that God had called. Well, now he has died, and God is called, calling Joshua to take the children, children of Israel on the other way. But notice what he says. This is very, very important. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Now, therefore, arise. Now, it's very obvious what the need was. Now, understand this. God is not using figurative language that doesn't serve a purpose. Every word in here is according to the will of God. And when God says in verse number two, now, therefore, arise, he's showing Joshua his need. Number one, notice the need to arise. The need to arise. Now, obviously, the word arise means what? Get up. 
uh, tomorrow morning, probably around 7 o'clock, maybe 7.30. I don't know, 7.40 if you can dress fast. A lot of you parents are going to go to your kid's room. What are you going to say? Get up. You're not going to say arise. You're going to say get up. You might do what my dad used to do. My dad would come in one time. He would come in and tap me on the foot. He would say, get up. It's time for school. Or get up. It's time to go to work. That's tough when you live at your boss's house. Come in and wake you up, get up. If I didn't wake up, he'd pull the cover off sometimes to wake us up. And then if need be, he'd make more drastic measures to get us out of bed. But here's the point. God's not just telling Joshua, get up and get on the move. There's so much more to that word arise. It's amazing what you can learn if you'll just spend a little time finding out what these words mean. The word arise means this, to arise or to come on the scene. To arise or come on the scene. Now, Joshua was known of the people, all right? Joshua had been used of God in the life of the children of Israel. Joshua had been one of the spies, remember? So it's not like Joshua was an unknown. He was out there on the peripheral, all right? Joshua was out there uh, in the outer work, working for Moses on behalf of Moses. But here's what God is saying. God says, Joshua, it's time to arise. Joshua, it's time to move on the scene. Joshua, it's time to take a more active role. Now, can I tell you tonight... If we're going to find and fulfill our now, the need and opportunity and the work at Central Baptist Church, God's people need to follow the example of Joshua and we need to arise. What does that mean? Come off of the sidelines, working out in the outer banks and bring ourselves into the work of God in a more active role. Now folks, look, there's nothing wrong with working behind the scenes. Matter of fact, people who work behind the scenes oftentimes accomplish more than us people that are working in front of the scenes, all right? I know how it really works. But understand this. Oftentimes, we're out here on the periphery, all right? We're out here on the sidelines. And God says, hey, I've got something for you in 2022 that's going to require you to come onto the scene. It's time to take a more active role in the will of God for your life. Now, if there's one thing I'm certain of, Fulfilling God's will for your life at Central this year is going to be taking the next step of what he's called you to do here, all right? It's not God's will that we remain where we were. Isn't that what growth is all about? You know, I drink out of plastic 20-ounce bottles now. I don't drink out of bottles, uh, baby bottles anymore. I don't eat baby food anymore. I don't see how I ate it the first time. Mom and Dad gave it to me when I was a little kid. I've grown since then. I can eat a whole turkey leg like a real man now. Amen. Just something manly about a turkey leg, Brother John. Hold it up there. Ah, look, I think that would do all the millennial young men just a, a world of help. Somebody buy them a turkey leg. It unlocks some kind of a, a manhood inside of them just to sit there and eat one of those. Do you know why I can do that now? I've grown. I've grown. All right, now hear me out. It's the same way spiritually tonight. God would have us take a more active role, an active role of growth in the will of God at Central Baptist Church this year. And he's telling Joshua. He could have just said, Joshua, go to the promised land. He didn't say that. What was the first step? He said, I want you to arise. I want you to leave the sidelines and take the front lines of the will of God for your life. Now, folks, there's nothing wrong with being on the sidelines. But every year that we live, we should seek that God would use us more and more in the frontline work of the will of God rather than just being on the sidelines. Now, now Joshua wasn't a sideline guy, all right? Joshua was working, but he was not in the role that God was about to call him to. And all of us should desire, okay, what does God have for us next? 
What is it for us next? God was showing Joshua, I have something for you now that I didn't have before, and now I want you to take a more active role in the ministry of leading the children of Israel. I read 1 Samuel 17 this afternoon about David. I love what the Bible says in verse 32 of 1 Samuel 17. Listen close. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now remember what David was doing at the battlefield? David literally was bringing the cheese wagon. That's what he was doing. He had the bread and the cheese. I mean, he was basically the lunch guy. He was pulling up. All right, I'm here to feed the soldiers. And while he was there, he heard Goliath cussing his God. And he goes to his brothers, what shall be done to this man who killeth him? And they tell him and they pick on him a little bit. He goes to Saul and says, hey, I'll go. Do you know what he was volunteering to do? I'm willing to go from the sidelines to the front lines. He says, hey, look, you know David could have been content just to be the cheese wagon guy. I mean, hey, I like cheese. I wouldn't mind staying with the cheese wagon either. I wish we still had one today. David could have said, ooh, you know what? Uh, I'm not cut out for that. He wasn't cut out for that. He was David, the ruddy youth. He was the kid. He was not the soldier in all of the armor, but he's sitting there saying, you know what? I could have a more active role in this. And he volunteered. Now, folks, I want you to understand something tonight. If God's going to fulfill his will now at Central Baptist Church, some of us have got to decide tonight, all right, you know what? I'm going to come off the sidelines, all right? I want to, hey, I want to be more active in the use and the will of God here at Central Baptist Church. I'll promise you God has something for you. I'll promise you. You say, well, look, I'm just a cheese wagon guy. Oh, you're in good company. Look what God did with him. Think about this tonight. When BBS comes around, I get the greatest role in the world. I get to be a sheriff, all right? I don't wield any authority in most parts of my life except for VBS. I feel powerful. I got cowboy boots on a hat, and I get to carry a gun. Uh, I mean, other than that week, my life's pretty, pretty plain, pretty vanilla. And we have, a, you know, we have Baptist City up here, and I'll be sitting back here, and you know they have that little jingle when it's my turn to walk out, you know, you know? All right, some of you don't come to VBS. You have no idea what I'm talking about, all right? And I'll be sitting back there, Miss uh, Kristen King will be back there directing traffic, you know. And after a while, I'll get so busy. I'm probably doing something spiritual back there. I'm probably on my hands and knees praying that God would bless me, yes, kids would be saved. I'm probably on my phone. It's probably what it is. And I'm sitting there, and Miss Kristen will come up. Did you hear the music? I'm like, what? She said, this is your scene. And all of a sudden, I go busting out there. Hey, yeah, you know, uh, I'm already prepared. I forgot it was my whole scene. I said, didn't you hear the music? That music says, hey, this is your turn. Get out there. This is your scene. Now watch this. That's what God was telling Joshua. This is your scene. This is your opportunity. Hey, come off the sidelines. Go to the front lines and find the will of God. And oh, how God would use Joshua. But Joshua had to first see the need to arise. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah is one of my favorite characters. Uh, I think he is, uh, uh, he is often overlooked as one of the heroes of our faith. Nehemiah chapter 2, he is recounting to the people what they are there to do. He says, boy, God put this in my heart. Here's this destruction. Here's all of this. Walls are burned. We're reproached. Hey, let's rise up and build. They were motivated. They're excited. Let's rise up and build. What happened immediately after he said that? Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19. Listen, they laughed us to scorn and despised us. They laughed us to scorn. And despised us. Do you know what that will do? That'll make you go to the sidelines real quick. 
Man, you're motivated, you're excited. Man, we're gonna find God's will this year. Hey, isn't this great? We're gonna find God's will this year and we're gonna do it now at Central Baptist Church and here comes somebody who reigns on your parade. In every Baptist church, you have a wet blanket committee. Every Baptist church has one. Man, you got this guy, he's excited. Isn't this great? We're gonna find God's will now and we're gonna do it now and we're gonna please God now. And somebody comes along, yeah, we've heard that before. Would you just get saved or something? <laughs> yeah, or oh, you'll get over it. That's the truth. This is what happens with Nehemiah. Nehemiah, we're going to rebuild these walls. We're not going to be reproached anymore. Oh, the need is now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, people start laughing at them. And all of a sudden, uh, Sanballat and Geshem and Tobiah, you read that in Nehemiah 2, verse 19, they laughed us to scorn and despised us. That'll make you go back to the sidelines quick. You would think a guy like me would be used to being laughed at, okay? 20, 26 years of ministry, 42 years of life, I'm still not used to getting laughed at. It makes me want to go off to the side and be honest with you, have a pity party sometimes. But wait a minute. The Bible says in verse 20, listen, then answered I them. Aren't you glad we have an answer for them? And said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Listen close. Therefore, we his servants will arise. We his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. What was he saying? He says, hey, the need is still there for us to arise. Hey, laugh if you want. Disdain us if you want. Put us down if you want. That's okay. The need is for us to arise. Look, we go out there and do the will of God this year. I'll promise you, someone is going to hurt your feelings. And you're going to want to run to the sidelines and just hunker down and cry and say, okay, I tried. I'll take my chances at the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? Oh, that was hard. But oh, if we just realized the need for God's people to come on the scene like we never have before is now. It's now. It's time for God's people. Look, it's time for Central Baptist. Why don't we quit complaining about Hattiesburg and try to reach Hattiesburg? By the way, that's why we're here. The last couple of years, life has given us plenty of things to sideline us, has it not? Life has given us a lot of things that have sidelined us. But now is the time to arise. Now is the time to come on the scene. Now's the time to get off the bench, get in the game so we can make a play for the cause of Christ. Now, something interesting, I want to give you this before we move on to the second thing. The need was to arise. What were they doing at the very point of verse 1? What were they doing? They were grieving the loss of Moses. They were grieving the loss of Moses. Boy, grief has abounded the last two years. Things to grieve over. I'm not just talking about the loss of life. We've been grieved about our circumstances, grieved about this, grieved about that. Do you know what I believe God was telling Joshua? Joshua, the need is to arise. Let's move on from the grief Let's move on. Do you know grief can sideline you? Be careful. Don't let grief sideline you to keep you away and out of the will of God. We've got to see the need is now to arise. Number two, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people. Here's the next part. Unto the land which I do give to them. So the need is to arise. But do you remember this from Wednesday night? The need opens the door to the what? To the opportunity. 
You first have to see the need. Once you see the need, then you find the opportunity. What was the opportunity? It says, unto the land which I do give them. You see, Joshua had to arise. Joshua had to come off the sidelines to the front lines so that he could lead God's people to the opportunity of what he had prepared. God says, I have something prepared. And God says, I want you to possess it. That's number two. Notice the opportunity to possess. The need to arise. Number two, the opportunity to possess. Now, this is one of the most important truths you need to get tonight about God's will. Aren't you glad that God's promises are more than promises. Well, think about that, if you will. God's promises are more than just promises. Unfortunately, we are all good at making promises, and I hope you keep your promises. You ought to keep your promises. But inevitably, we don't always keep them, do we? Sometimes our promises are just that. They are promises. But can I tell you something about God His promises are possessions. God says, I'm not just making you a promise. God says the promise, if you'll put your faith in it, is going to lead to a possession, something you can have and something you can hold. Now, folks, if we don't get this tonight, we're going to miss out. Now, watch. In order for us to have the opportunity to possess it, we've got to see the need to arise. You know, if Joshua said, look, I'm tired of this. I'm not dealing with those people. I saw what Moses went through. That's why I never wanted to pastor. I'm being honest with you. Never wanted to pastor. Why? I saw what my dad went through. I'm like, no way. I'm going to be an evangelist. That's what I want to do. I want to swoop into town, start the fire, stir up the bees, and then leave town, go do it again in somebody else's town. Leave the pastor to clean up the mess because that's what evangelists always do, right? They come in, stir it up, and the pastor has to clean up the mess after them. And then lo and behold, God calls us to pastor, and I'm thankful for it, and I enjoy it, but I'll be honest with you. If I had been Joshua, I'd have been like, oh, no. I'm not putting up with those people. I saw what they put you through. I mean, they put you in a premature grave, Moses. Why would I want anything to do with that? Can I tell you why? Because there's an opportunity to possess. That's why we ought to be willing, number one, see the need to arise. Why? The opportunity to possess. Sooner or later, we got to get off the bench if we want to make a play. I remember when I first got here, I, I can't even remember the kid. That's probably a good thing. I can't remember the kid. I went up to behind the, uh, the guys who were on the sideline for a basketball game, and I walked up behind one of the guys that says, you getting in tonight? He goes, hope not. <laughs> I can't remember who that was. <laughs> for once, I was speechless. Man, you ready to go in tonight? Hope not. He was just satisfied being on the team. Got a jersey, looks good in pictures on the mantle, you know, standing there with a basketball, never shot it, not once in your life. But hey, I was on the team, I got a jersey, you know, mama's proud, I can say I played basketball. He didn't want to go in. Now, folks, look, as funny as that is, that's you and I. Oftentimes, we're content to sit on the sidelines. He said, Joshua, get up. Joshua, come off the bench. Get in the game. Why? There's something for you to possess. It's not just a promise. It's a possession. Now, folks, look, some of our kids tonight would have a greater desire to pursue the promises of God if they saw you handle one every once in a while. Why don't you get off the bench, mom and dad? Go get you one. You say, hey, we're sitting on the bench with our kids. Hey, get in there. I say, why don't you get in, mom and dad? Why don't you go out there and get a possession that God has promised, and when your kids see you got it, sooner or later they'll want one for themselves. The problem is 
we're not willing to arise. We don't see the need to get off the sidelines to the front lines. Listen to what God told Gideon, Judges chapter 7. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord, verse 9, said unto him, Arise, same word, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. Interesting, once again, like the same person wrote this book. He says, arise, go to the host, for I have delivered them into your hand. Do you know what God was giving him? Victory. I've delivered them into your hand. But wait a minute, what did he say first? That pesky little word, arise. Hey, Gideon, it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to go down to the host. I have delivered them into your hand. Folks, listen to me tonight. Victory is ours to possess. It's not a pipe dream. You know, we live in the South. We're in the Bible Belt. I mean, people all walks of life in all stages of the will of God for their life. Some of them even out of the will of God. We talk about the promises of God, you know, like we talk about sports scores. Folks, can I tell you, they're, they're more than just something to talk about. It's more than just a bumper sticker. It's, look, it's even more than a song tonight. I'm thankful for the hymns of the faith, the doctrine that's in them. But it's more than a song tonight. But I'll tell you, the reason our children tonight have no desire to pursue the promises, they've never seen one. Because we don't possess them. I was telling someone today that the Lord called us to go to Louisiana to build Bayou Baptist Church. And never done that before. And... All I knew is God said go. And I said, okay, if you said go, you know, I've heard the old cliche where God guides, God provides. We fix enough, find out. I remember going to my dad. I tell my dad, I think the Lord wants us to go there. And, man, I was just scared to death, you know, up out of my comfort zone. And we, we moved up there. And, and one by one by one, we began seeing God provide. He gave us a property paid for, deed in hand, church property on the highway. He took care of our needs. He provided our staff. He, I mean, just one thing after God provided. And I'll never forget talking to my brother. He said, well, how's it going? I said, well, it's been one of the most amazing, frightening rides of my life. But I'll tell you one thing, it's real. You know, I grew up in church. I grew up with godly mom and dad. Many of you know and love them very much. Mom and dad taught us the right way. Mom and dad taught us the word of God. I watched one by one as they began to pick the fruit of the promises of God and they possessed them. And oh, because I saw them possess them, it was so much easier for me to go about find God's will for my life and to find some promises to possess for my own. The opportunity to possess. What did he say? Verse 2. He says, go over thou and all this people into the land which I do give to them. I'm thankful tonight that what God has in store for our church in 2022, it's not a pipe dream. It's not a motivational speech. God has something for us to possess if we're just willing to arise. See the need to arise, and then we have the opportunity to possess. Psalms 2.8, listen to what the Bible says. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. What do you think about the principle in that verse? Do you know any heathens? Amen. Sitting right in this room tonight, right? All you parents are like, mm-hmm, four of them, three of them. <laughs> Looking at your spouse, a big one right here. The Bible says, ask of me and I will give you the heathen. Notice the words give thee. There's a lot of folks in our town who've yet to come to know the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would love to look back December 2022, look back on our year.
and see folks that we were able to reach. By the way, we were all heathens too. And see people in these chairs tonight that we now possess as part of our church, part of our family. All because God's people decided, you know what, I'm going to take the opportunity to possess it. Man, we could go on and on tonight. First Kings 17, 9, Elijah. God says to him, arise. There's that pesky word again. Why didn't he just say, get thee to Zarephath? He says, arise. Come off the sidelines. Elijah had been sidelined at the brook Cherith. Remember that? God says, I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. God just kind of stuck him off to the side for a little while. During the famine, and God had the brook there, and the raven brought him, a, you know, food. I don't know if it was a bologna sandwich or what, but he brought him. Preachers are always saying it's a bologna sandwich. I don't know. Maybe it was a bologna sandwich. And he brought him the, the flesh and the bread, and, and now he says, arise, come off the sideline. He said, hey, off the sideline, let's go to the front lines. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain thee, there to sustain thee. God had prepared something for him. It was a sustaining, a sustaining. Where did the sustaining come from? It was the opportunity he possessed after he saw the need to arise. Zig Ziglar used to tell a story about a young man in the olden days. I don't know how old that is. I'm not going to insult anybody by pretending. But in the olden days when there was the old mercantile and the little boy would walk in with his mom and there was a molasses barrel. I've never seen one of those in my life. Uh, maybe on Petticoat Junction we've seen one of those, but in real life I've never seen one. And the little boy would go into the store and the, the uh, molasses barrel was off to the side and he would lift up the lid and he would take his hand and give him a mouthful of that molasses. This was before COVID, so don't freak out, okay? He would just give him a handful of it, put it in his mouth and then put it down. After the little boy would leave... The shopkeeper would always come over. He would see all this stuff on the floor, and he realized what this kid was doing. This kid was going over, getting him a handful. Now, molasses is good. I don't know if I get it, you know, put it all like that, but that's what he liked to do. Well, the, the shopkeeper decided, I'm going to teach him a lesson, and next time they came in the store, he watched. Sure enough, the kid began making his way back toward the corner. He slipped away from the counter, went back, and right as the kid opened up and put his face toward to get him out, he goes, face first, kaboosh, dunked his face in molasses. <clears throat> the boy runs out of the store. He is embarrassed. He's sitting on the little chair out there in front of the store. And his mom says, well, have you learned your lesson? He says, well, I don't know about that. But I prayed that God would give me the tongue equal to this great opportunity. <laughs> God, give me the tongue equal to this great opportunity. Can I tell you 2022? I don't know what it holds. But I do know for sure there's a great opportunity. God, give us the courage. God give us the courage to believe in his promises enough that we're going to pursue them until we possess them. God give us the courage to do that. I don't know if there's more heartache and there's more grief, but I do know the promises are still there. And even though there may be grief, you know what? God knew that Moses had died. God knew they were grieving, but God says, hey, all the grief you're going through doesn't change the fact there's still a promise for you to possess if you have the courage to seek out the opportunity. Number two, the opportunity to possess. And finally, what's the work, right? We always want to just go with the need and the opportunity. Those are easy ones. What's the work? That's the hard part. Moses, my servant, is dead. Verse two, now therefore arise. Here comes. Go over this Jordan. Go over this Jordan. So Joshua is on his way to finding his now need, opportunity, work. 
He's on his way to fulfilling his now. What was the need? Arise, come off the sidelines. It's time to go to the front lines. The opportunity was to possess what God had prepared. All right, what's the work? Well, the Bible says here, go over this Jordan. The work, number three, is to go over. The work is to go over. Inevitably, there are going to be Jordans between here and the promises. Inevitably. When the children of Israel left Egypt, there was a Red Sea there. Inevitably, there's going to be Jordans. But what's wonderful is God knew that Jordan was there and his plan still remained. So how do you know that? Because God said, go over this Jordan. Do you know what Jordans will do? Jordans will make you go back to the sidelines. Here we are. We launched a new theme last week. Now, now, we're excited about it. We set out, and all of a sudden, who knows what type of Jordan we're going to have to cross? Who knows what kind of valleys we may have to go through? And we come to them, we're thinking, good night. This is work. It's work. Have you ever tried to cross a river? As a kid, we used to go camping on the Pearl River out there on the sandbars. My goodness, peaceful times. We're just camping out there on the Pearl River, and we'd wade out there in the water, carry you down. you swim back to the side, climb to the woods, get back where you're going. Man, it's hard crossing a river. But understand this. The God who created the river told us to go over the river. And if he's commanded us to go over it, then the river can't stop us from possessing what he's promised. Here's what the devil will do. The devil desires to use Jordans to alarm you. God desires to use Jordans to amaze you. Now you think about that. The devil wants you to come to a rough spot in your year as you pursue the promises of now. And you're going to come to one. I promise you. Look, I promise you. Who knew the Jordans we'd have to cross in 2020 and 2021? I don't know what 2022 is going to hold, but I do know that my father can handle the Jordans. And he wants to show us something powerful about him if we trust him to bring us over it. Now, here's, here's what's wonderful. It is work but the work is us deciding that even though we come to a Jordan, we're going over. We're going over. Too many times we get sidelined by the Jordans. Too many times we decide to quit the pursuit of the promise because of the Jordans. 1 John 5, 4 reminds us, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Look, there are some things in 2022 we are going to have to go over. Understand that. It's not going to be smooth sailing. There's going to be problems and differences. But by the grace of God, we can get over it. Look, we're living in such a, as my dad would say, pansified world. To where we come to a little bit of difficulty and a little bit of trouble and we quit and we go home. There's some things in life we've got to learn just to get over. Can we just be honest? Look, we get our feelings hurt. Somebody doesn't sing the song that we like. Somebody does something differently than we like. Listen, and it just sidelines us from the will of God. When the best thing we could do, listen, if it's not contrary to the word of God, just get over it. Why? Because I want to possess the promise. I want to see, hey, with my hands, I want to hold what God's prepared for us. I want to see what God's plan is for Central Baptist Church. And there's going to be things that come our way that I don't like either. And I'm just going to have to get over it. Why? The Bible says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. There's no Jordan out there that can keep me from the promises of God. Why? Because the Bible says that victory is our faith. It's our faith. 
Now, folks, between here and there, I don't know what the Jordans are going to be. But I know by the grace of God, we can get over it. We can get over it. There's going to be hurt in 2022. There's going to be hurt in 2022. I might hurt you, and if I do, I'm, I'm, can I apologize in advance? Can we do that? You'll probably hurt me sooner or later along the way, not smiling while I'm preaching, falling asleep, following your fingernails. Yeah, I see that. Playing on your phone. Man, you're going to hurt me and I'm going to hurt you. But if we really want to find out what God has for us to possess now, why don't we go ahead and decide tonight we're going to get over it. We're going to get over it. There's going to be grief in 2022. There's not been a year that I've been here that we haven't had to have funerals for people. Grief, difficulty, heartache, pain. There's going to be failure in 2022. You're going to mess up. You're going to have to get over it. Don't let your failures this year sideline you from the will of God. There's going to be disagreement. There's going to be people that you're going to have to get over. Can I tell you the hardest thing I have to get over <clears throat> is myself. The hardest thing I have to get over is myself. I get in my own way more times than not. Somebody will make me mad. Somebody will make a wise crack about preaching too long at 6.07. You don't have to look at your watch. Somebody will say, man, so-and-so didn't like what you did, canceling the service, canceling Sunday school. It all, these big ears hear everything, and I hate the fact, I wish I had little ears like some of you guys. I didn't hear everything that I hear. And boy, that just starts to boil. Well, if you knew what kind of week I had, man, you'd be encouraging, not discouraging. Right? And next thing you know, it starts boiling, it starts boiling, it starts boiling. You know the best thing I can do, you can do? Why don't we say we're going to get over it? We're going to work to get over it. There's going to be disagreements. We're going to do things differently. Uh, you know, I'll, you'll do things differently than I do, and I'll do things differently than you do. And we just got to decide I'm going to work to get over whatever stands in my way of possessing what God promises for Central Baptist Church in 2022. My grandparents, when they would come back from Mexico, they would always bring back some uh, uh, Mexican candy. Uh, which were big bags. This was for NAFTA, man. They had all these big bags of candy got for cheap. And, and then they would bring back fresh tortillas. I mean, they would wrap them up in foil, stacked up. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it was good. And then one year, I'll never forget, they brought back these little blocks of goat cheese. <clears throat> I love goat cheese, like from Corner Market. But the, the goat cheese from there was, was not like the goat cheese from Corner Market. As soon as they opened up the ice chest that had it in there, it just hits you. It took your breath away. Now, I'll never forget what Papa said. Papa said, it's good if you can get past the stink. I just don't know about that. It's good if you can get past the stink. And so, thank the Lord, I can't smell anymore. Maybe I need to import some of that because my smeller doesn't work anymore. But he was right. Man, you put it on one of those tortillas, those fresh tortillas, you put it in a pan, a little butter, and you kind of you make a quesadilla, and you, you cook it on this side, and you cook it on this side. And boy, you start eating it. And it didn't taste like it smelled. It just smelled bad, but it tasted wonderful. And sure enough, it was good once you got past the stink. Can I tell you, that's the way 2022 could be if you worked at it. There's going to be some stinky parts of 2022. Some grief, some disappointment, some differences. Problems, it is. But oh, it could be so good if you could just get past the stink. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, 
and nothing shall offend them. Great peace had they which love thy law, nothing shall offend them. The word offend means cause to stumble or basically move to the sidelines. If we decide, you know what? I'm just going to stick with the book, keep with the plan, stay the course, pursue the promise. Why? Because, oh my goodness, what God has prepared is a worthy opportunity of our work. Why was Joshua used of God? Well, he found his now, the need to arise off the sidelines to the front lines. He found the opportunity to possess something God had promised, and he wanted it. And he did the work to go over. And by God's grace, he fulfilled his now. Now, I wonder tonight, do you, like me, need a little help in these areas? Do you need help, the need to arise? I told somebody today, man, it seems like every morning you wake up in the last couple of years, the devil's waiting there and doesn't even give you a chance to put your dukes up. You know, go figure that. The devil not fighting fair. Before you ever wake up, he hits you before you ever get out of bed. Like, wait, give me a minute, okay? I haven't even had my coffee yet. He hits you in the mouth. Every morning you wake up. After a while, you're like, all right, I'm going to go over here to the sidelines and just sit for a while. Do you have the need to arise tonight? The only way you're going to find your now and fulfill your now, get up. Get off the sidelines, make your way to the front lines. Why? Because there's an opportunity to possess something that God's prepared, but you're going to have to work to get over some things in order to get there. Let's have our heads bowed tonight, eyes closed.